Hi everyone and welcome to the Serverless Mindset podcast where today I'm joined by my good friend Paul Swale, uh, a serverless consultant as well as fellow Belfast resident. And in today's conversation we discuss best practices and how to best navigate them as a serverless team. Paul, why don't you quickly introduce yourself to our audience? Hey, thanks, Marco. Yeah, as you said, I'm based in Belfast in Ireland. I work as an independent cloud consultant, helping teams get started with serverless, mainly on AWS. Um, yep, I've been an engineer architect for 20 years now or so, sp- focusing on serverless for about four years now. Awesome. So, Paul, um, very quickly about the format of this uh, of this uh, program uh, of these new episodes, mm-hmm. also for the benefit of our audience. The idea here is I'm going to ask you uh, one question, uh, and you have roughly ten minutes. Um, you know, so anywhere between eight, nine, ten minutes, something like that, to mm-hmm. answer to elaborate the question. Um, so, are you ready for that? Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's go. Great. So, the question I want to ask you, um, and this is based on a lot of so I suppose uh, me uh, reading um, a lot of your content and seeing sort of where you're coming from, uh, the question I want to ask you is uh, how can uh, somebody doing serverless best navigate uh, best practices? Uh, so those serverless be- best practices that appear on the web. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Very good. It's Best practice is a bit of a... Not a sore point for me, but yeah, it's certainly something which I think the, the fact is that best pa- there is no, I always say there's no universal best practice, especially in software development, but especially in particular with serverless. Um, you would see a lot of people like AWS official blogs and this is a best practice, but a lot that the key thing is that it's specific. It's usually with a specific audience in mind. Sometimes that's enterprises or with a specific application use case. And I think there yet yeah, while there are a few things which you could say you're universally this is the best way to do things no matter what size of team or what your application needs are there nearly everything there is a bit of a decision there's a trade-off involved and what's good for one team would not be good for another team so i guess that's a key thing that i'd say just generally mm-hmm. around anybody who says something is a best practice always ask them why trying to understand why like just saying best practice isn't isn't really enough um um, yeah, you're, but it's come with serverless, uh, coming to serverless in particular, it's, it's still relatively new field. Engineering practices mm-hmm. are still emerging there. Um, tooling is getting better, but there are still a million ways to do certain things. Um, and that adds complexity and overhead, mm-hmm. especially for folks coming into the serverless development for the first time. Um, and so the importance of having rec I, I don't call them best practice. I try to call them like rules of thumb or recommended patterns right. it is, is probably more important because there are less natural guardrails for a relatively emergent um, engineering discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, I guess our job as sort of people, experts in the community is to try and identify what those are and what are the contexts in which a specific um, recommendation applies. So right. I guess in my work, I focus mainly with smaller teams and sort of startups and small teams and small medium enterprises. So they have their own sort of um, constraints and benefits as well. Um, and practices that I'm discovering as part of working with them are work well in their contexts. But right. I, I, I see a lot of other folks also work in, in enterprise who have the benefit of like a platform team, say, which teams that are like, or some sort of separate team to set up all your cloud accounts for mm. you. I don't have the benefit of working with right, um, right. Um, the teams that my, my clients don't have those sort of um, that in, internal organizational support. So th th these are all the sort of questions that you need to, that affect the, the architectural decisions and the engineering decisions that you're making um, for, for your project. That makes a lot and of sense. Um, the, the that whole thing of uh, sort of working with obviously the size of the team um, resonates with me a lot. I think uh, like my experience has also been for the last few years working with uh, startups and small teams uh, primarily. And yeah, it's it, you come across again a lot of you know really really good um, advice and 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 best practices uh, out there, but. You then sort of have to stop and ask the question and be like, you know, as a, as a you know as a startup, uh, early on we have a team of say I don't know five six engineers here. Can we actually do all of that? And the answer often enough is no, which doesn't mean you go then and do something that's like completely uh, abominable or anything. But you sort of find find some kind of middle ground. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I like I love the idea uh, of a rule of thumb. Uh, calling it a rule, uh, sort of a rule of thumb, as opposed to calling it a best practice. Um, that that is just yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think it gives a like, I don't know. Best practice can sign it has a negative connotation if you're you're not following best practice. Yeah, that it's like that signs you're absolutely you're in the wrong. Um, whether that's ignorance or just willful neglect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah. whereas rule of thumb is, is it, it's more like the team have made a decision. They know it's a it's a rule of it's it can be broken. But mm -hmm. I guess the key thing is as long as if you're aware of what these rules of thumbs are and yeah, but make it a, 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 a deliberate decision why you're breaking it or why you're, you're deviating from it slightly. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Thing. It's like, if it, it feels as though when something is, is, is a best practice, um, you, you, you just can't, you cannot, break it um it's like it's, it's it's almost like a dogma uh but if, yep. if something is a rule of thumb it still means you have to you you actually have to have a really good reason not to follow it but as long as you have mm -hmm. that good reason you can you can uh, not follow it um yep. so it just gives you a lot of a lot more sort of leeway i suppose um yeah so i like that I agree um i have uh sort of a couple of follow-up questions for you. Uh, well, actually, maybe one in two parts, which is, so you talked about, you did say that th there are sometimes some sort of best practices that are absolutely universal. Um, what would be an example of two of, of something that is universal? Like, uh, let's say, maybe more specifically to serverless, if, if anything comes to mind to you. What, what is something that okay. absolutely, I mean, there's, there's, there's almost no way you, you can not follow that, that best practice. Okay. Yeah, well, I would. You can not follow this, but I don't think 
I can't think of a way when you wouldn't not want to follow this. It's right. specifically in use of infrastructure as code um, right. in in serverless projects. Mm -hmm. So I guess a big thing is like your code is now, like say you have Lambda functions, you're deploying multiple Lambda functions. So if you, as, as well as being taking up a lot of time to upload in every individual zip file to the AWS console for every Lambda function, mm -hmm. um, but just, just, but, it takes time, but it's also obviously not repeatable into different developers or different shared environments. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, I would say I, I, I think I've written a blog post on infrastructure as code is like the single biggest, um, it, it the single biggest um, linchpin I've called it for for serverless teams. Like you, you just have to use it. It's like the tools make it you're opted in by default almost which is a good thing so it's hard not to do it like serverless framework cdk and sam like yeah they are so they are they are the tools to do it so it's quite hard not to to use um infrastructure as code although you could sort of add some resources not using it as well but getting into that discipline of everything is infrastructure as code everything is repeatable deployments that is probably the single biggest i i can't think of any teams um I, i've i've joined teams like new disturbables who have started just by using the console but mm -hmm. that's like the first thing i fix when you get away join them like we're not doing yes. it this way anymore we're we're just going to um yeah we're using infrastructure's code that's i yeah i don't really <laughs> negotiate on that one i think yeah i mean that, that that's yeah that that makes sense and um it's interesting because i mean back a few years ago when I'm sure you remember as well, like when, when we sort of were all starting out with serverless, um, I think like we, we had to write our CloudFormation templates uh, by hand, right? We didn't have the tooling, we didn't have mm -hmm. SAM or the serverless framework, or never mind the CDK, yeah. obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe in those days, if you were doing some kind of sort of monorepo, one big function with maybe the router in it, um, maybe you could have, gotten away with just always manually uploading because you know it, it did take some time to write all the cloud formation by hand um but now it's like why would you do it i mean it does it, it comes yeah. it almost comes for, for free if you use especially if you use one of those frameworks right yeah definitely and i think it, it's it comes to a lot of the de developer responsibilities because i think in in a lot of ways serverless i say can make developers of smaller teams in that a single developer can own the sort of ups, a lot of the DevOpsy stuff, mm -hmm. whereas application, I, I call them application developers, the people who you who would normally have just built like the Node.js Express apps and then handed that off to somebody else to deploy it. Those folks um, now have a little bit more responsibility and infrastructure as code is one of that those extra parts of responsibility that they have, I think. Um, it's not something that another speciality you don't need an, another specialized person just to do this um, mm -hmm. so yeah. their, their, their role of their responsibility extends slightly to defining the infrastructure as well as the application code um but yeah that that's something which new, new serverless developers um they need to embrace that responsibility yeah definitely um which is a whole different challenge um, yeah. <laughs> as well which i'm sure we can talk about uh in the future uh so just as we as we as we wrap up, I want to ask you, I suppose maybe quickly, if you could also mm -hmm. give me one or two examples of then things that are that you've come across that um, I suppose maybe the majority of the people out there would would think of them as being near universal, but that you've actually come across and and you've found out that in your particular use case 
or scenario they didn't apply. And then maybe as a follow-up to that, uh, what, what question or questions were you asking yourself to figure out whether that best practice applied or not? Yeah, probably one like from general software engineering to serverless, a, a change is in testing. So I've right. focused a lot on testing. So whereas the, the traditional, they had the unit, uh, the, the testing pyramid, which I think Martin Fowler created, which the unit, or no, unit was at the bottom, there's most, and then end to end at the top. That I, I find that that doesn't really hold so much yes. um, in, in serverless um, applications because I still write unit tests, but they're not the majority of my tests. Um, a lot because serverless and just distributed is a distributed system, and most of the, I guess, the failure modes are in the integration points. Like you're writing lots of YAML yeah. or lots of infrastructure code at least, yeah. and you're wiring together event-based workflows, different cloud resources. That's your unit tests aren't going to catch issues in those parts of your code. So mm -hmm. just that 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 error profile, or that that um, failure mode profile, is sort of tipped in favor of integration stroke end-to-end -end tests. So yeah. that's, I guess, a big sort of difference that I would say from mm -hmm. traditional best practice. That makes sense. And then I suppose and, and, you, know, you, you mentioned you mentioned context being a major thing. Is that sort of the main thing? Is there anything else that you in this particular with maybe with testing or with other um, near universal best practices, uh, is there any other question that you've asked yourself that has helped you, you know, discern whether that applied for you or not? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, um, yeah, I'm not, I, yeah, I guess I, I, I can't think of a specific example, but I guess just, uh, just as a general rule, I, mm -hmm. I'm just trying to be more questioning, like just more questioning of yeah. any sort of best practices. I think coming to serverless made me just throw out certain previous beliefs and just like, okay, why, why, why has this always been so thought of as the best way to do things? So I can't think of another specific example, but just yeah, generally yeah. having your mind opened by this new software paradigm has mm -hmm. just helped me remain more open-minded, I think, to any other new ways of working. And um, like the whole local testing, I guess, uh, working locally versus working in the cloud, that that's, it's related to the testing. Um, so some people say, prefer the local workflow. But what I would say is um, they're sort of conflating local development with isolation and speed. So the, those la the isolation and speed are very important. Right. Um, but local has always meant that. But does it, does it have to be local to get those two benefits? So I guess that's an example of that's a good point. something which, um, yeah, people say, oh, I, every developer has to have their own local development environment. But that's sort of, they're saying Do that you really? Yeah. Of, because of the specific, more specific attributes, the question it's uh, it's not local really that you need. It's um, local has always been the best way to get those things, but it mm -hmm. may not always be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's 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 context, and and then I suppose if I might extrapolate from this last um, this whole local um, example that you just that you just gave, it's also kind of going uh, looking for sort of the root, maybe the. the, the yeah, looking for maybe the the root cause of why yeah. uh, a certain best practice originated. Um, yeah, exactly. And it helps, that's, as you said. It. Yeah, no, it, and it helps, as you said, that serverless is such a, I want to say, even radically different paradigm as 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 compared to anything we've done before in in software engineering. That, uh, 
like if, if you actually adopt a bit of a, maybe of a skeptical mindset of, as to almost mm. every best practice out there and reevaluate and then look for context, as you said, and then just, you know, the, the root cause, um, what, what, or, 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 or the, 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 you know, what was this trying to solve um, yep. when it was sort of introduced and it became uh, so common practice. So Paul Swale, I want to thank you. Um, this uh, this was super super interesting. We could go on for another probably couple <laughs> hours here. Uh, there's yeah. so much interesting contest um, content. Um, so very quickly, how can people find out more about you? Um, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, my website where I blog. I have serverlessfirst.com. I have like a newsletter and um, yeah, articles, blogs there. And yeah, on at at Paul Swale on Twitter. So those are probably the best two places. Excellent. Well, Paul, thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Marco. Cheers. Bye.